You are listening to The Christian Commute, a commute-length podcast about Christian apologetics, theology, and other matters of Christian interest. Here is your host, Seth Dunn. It's Tuesday, August 8th. This is The Christian Commute. I am your host, Seth Dunn. And as predicted, I uploaded the wrong file last time. And somebody had to email me and tell me to fix it. So now I have fixed it twice. So hopefully, sometime, late tonight, after I get home from the soccer practices... I'll upload the correct file. The good news is, if I mess up, this phone records them in MP3 format and not WAV format. So if it's wrong, I can just upload it straight from the phone. Which is, I think, what I've had to do the last two times. I've, I've, I've gotten to the root of the problem. When you record an MP3 file, it saves it in a different folder than when you record a WAV file. WAV files get recorded in the recordings folder of your Samsung phone. I don't... and MP3s go somewhere else. I had to dig around. So now that I know what to do, the hardest choice I have to make today is do I want to wear my red polarized sunglasses or my blue polarized sunglasses? Which ones? Which ones? Which ones? I'm going to go with the blue. I'm going to go with the... Uh, they're Panama Jacks. I got these at Walmart or the drugstore. I don't really need them today. It's a, it's overcast. I have a full show for you today. That's right, a full show. And I called an audible. Actually, I called two audibles. I was going to do a show topic on... Uh, oh, I had, a, I had a clever name for it, too. A new season of grifting. And I was going to talk about... Uh, Steve Flockhart at New Season Church and his leadership conference, or actually Johnny Hunt's leadership conference with him and another p- pastor and their little cabal and how that all works. But I thought, you people are tired of hearing about Johnny Hunt, so maybe I'll do that later. I'm writing an article about that on Pulpit and Pen right now. I guess I'm about halfway done. Not for the people uh, to know about Johnny Hunt, but for the people to know about Steve Flockhart. Uh, but I'll, I'll, if you don't know about that guy in that situation, tune in to the shows to come because I'm going to talk about that, Lord willing. So then I was going to do a show topic called Dumping on J.D. Greer. Okay, do, What is J.D. Greer, worst Christian of 2018? Is it 2018? No, it's 2019. It can't be that long ago. Let's see, 2022... Was was it Beth Moore in 2022? And then 2021 was Al Mohler. 2022 Greer. 20 or 20 2022 Beth Moore. 2021 Al Mohler. 2020 JD Greer. 2019 Tom Rainer. Is that is that what it was? I, I feel like I'm forgetting somebody, some horrible someone. J.D. Greer was the first guy to ever get a trophy. I, th- I think it was 2020. Anyway, I found clips of him preaching about raising up Debras and preaching about gender equality 
and beating up people for treating church like a production. So I was just going to do a little dump session on J.D. Greer. Why? Because people try to be like him in evangelicalism. That was today's intended show topic. But as I got to the Bible chapter review, which was Matthew 23, verses 27 through 28, I thought, you know what? Rather than beat the dead horse of Johnny Hunt, or beat the dead horse of J.D. Greer, I'm going to beat the dead horse of the demonic church of Freemasonry, Roland Springs, because I bet a lot of you guys who are newer listeners, not that I think I have new listeners anymore, because no one sends in questions. You hear me talk about the demonic church of Freemasonry, Roland Springs, but you're like, what is he talking about? And I've talked ad nauseum. I've given the details about it on the show before, but I don't know if I've ever dedicated an episode to the church itself. So, uh, given that today's Bible chapter review is about whitewashed tombs, I thought, you know what? I'll do the Bible chapter review, I'll do the question in the inbox, and then I'll say, hey, this is sort of an example, even though it's it's a church, it's not for the Pharisees. I said, this is, this is an example of something that looks good and holy on the outside, it passes the sniff test, but if you dig around, whitewash too. So I thought I'd go there today. Because i got to tell you, like, I'm over it. You, you know, you're like, oh, this is sour grape, Seth. Get over it. Dust off your feet. I am over it. It happened a long time ago. But it's just a great example. I can't ignore it. So it'll be good for you newer listeners who've never uh, listened to all the shows in the Freemasonry saga. But this, was a, is a, this, isn't one, this one isn't so much about Freemasonry. It's about how things operate. In a whitewashed tomb, when you think everything is fine, you was that little uh, that little cartoon on the internet, and it's a dog, an anthropomorphic dog sitting at a table. I guess it's a kitchen table, and the room is on fire, and he says, "This is fine." That's how it is there. So those are the audibles I called today, and you know it's the season of audibles because it's about fall. Is it fall yet? Officially, school is starting. Is summer over? I don't know, but I'm ready for football. I know that. I drank a Mexican Coke today. That's what I drink during football games, a Mexican Coke. I need to give me some Golden Flake chips, just like Bear Bryant drinking a Coke and eating Golden Flake chips. I have a question in the inbox. I have like three, maybe three, counting this one, questions in the inbox. So I'm so happy about that. Keep them coming. If you have a question about Christian theology or apologetics, send it to SethDunn88 at gmail.com. I saw another in-person friend the other day, actually yesterday at lunch. She's like, oh, I was going to send a question. I'll believe it when I see it in my inbox, real-life person. Send me your question about Christian theology and apologetics to SethDunn88 at gmail.com or dial 470-31... What's the phone number? 315... I don't memorize... 470-315-0875. I can only remember that phone number if I'm doing that bit. Call you just roadside assistance. 470-315-0875. Otherwise, I have no use for my Google Voice number. Somebody call. They'll probably they'll probably cancel it if nobody calls soon. I'm going to have to dial it so it'll forward forward it to my phone. 
My my uh, my other Samsung phone, the one the microphone doesn't work. My work phone, oh, it's on its last legs. It won't charge unless it's on the magnet charger, uh, the wireless magnet charger that I have at work. And even then, it's charging slowly. But you know what? It's a work phone, so I'm just gonna be like, here you go, IT, give me a new phone. Uh, I think I've had it for two years. I have it. Well, it'll be two years in April. Okay. Let's get on with the Bible chapter review. Let's start the show. Matthew chapter 23, verses 27 and 28. Matthew chapter 23, verses 27 through 28. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they are full of dead men's dead man's bones and all uncleanness. So you too outwardly appear righteous to people but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Now as I mentioned on our previous show I could have done this or these two verses with the last verses I did about Jesus comparing the Pharisees to dishes that are only clean on the outside but not clean on the inside. This is the same idea. But he's outright telling them, Pharisees, I'm talking about you. You're like dishes that are clean on the outside, dirty on the inside. You're like tombs that look nice on the outside. They're real. They're taken care of real well, but inside is a bunch of rotting flesh and bones and uncleanness. Unclean, uncleanness? Uncleanliness? Uncleanness. Today we go to the graveyard because we don't do tombs anymore. And you see a bunch of nice headstones, marble. Some of them have designs printed on them. I saw one the other day. The guy liked fishing and it had a bass on it. It wasn't the other day. It was a long time ago. You could die and have an Alabama A printed on your tombstone if you wanted to. Or your face Anyway, you see nice tombstones in a well-manicured graveyard. The grass is cut. The weeds are trimmed. There may be flowers on the headstone. But six feet under is a coffin. And the coffin probably looks real nice, too. And it's got padded insides. But inside that coffin is a gross dead body that's rotting away. Rotting away to dust. And you, the last thing you'd want to do is open that coffin. Same thing back then. Here's how they did their burial practices back then. They would have a tomb where they'd put a dead body. And then eventually the body would decompose. Somebody would go back later and get the bones and put the bones in a place called an ossuary. And all the family bones would be in the same place. And then you could, you could use that tomb again. Because, I mean, it's not like there's unlimited tombs. So you'd put somebody in a tomb, they'd rot away, then they'd put their bones in an ossuary. And they, you know, you'd want that tomb to look nice. They were no different than we were. You don't want it to look what, like what's inside. But that's what Jesus is saying about the Pharisees. You guys are like whitewashed tombs. You look nice on the outside, but on the inside, you're the grossest kind of uncleanness. By the way, if a Jew went to a graveyard back in that day, he was considered ceremonially unclean. And he says they're full of hypocrisy 
and lawlessness. We call this we call this now the people who are holier than thou. They they look they look righteous on the outside, but on the inside they're just as wicked as everybody else. This is Ed, that's like everybody's favorite Christian movie character who's really judgmental, but when it comes down to it, they do the wrong thing. I think of Angela from The Office. That's I think that's uh that's short of your prototypical stock character of a judgmental Christian who's really just a wicked, mean person on the inside. And the Pharisees went around acting like they were better than everybody else with their clothes, their dress, and their tithing on their on their spices. But on the inside, they were wicked people who didn't care about others like they were supposed to. Put heavy burdens on others. They were actors. The mask was their holiness. On the inside, they were wicked mean. They didn't love Jesus, that's for sure, as a group. Why is this phone starting? Hold on. I'll, my Amazon Music started all of a sudden. Am I still Am I still recording? Yes. I was listening to some country music. Alright, she's acting single. Aren't you glad I don't have pneumonia anymore? I'm drinking doubles. What a horribly unbaptist song. Because you know what I've never had? A double. I've never gone to a bar in my life and gotten a drink. Or at least an alcoholic drink. I've gone to a bar to play trivia. Let me tell you something. I win bar trivia. I'm going to eat for three weeks because I'm not spending money on the devil's alcohol. I'm going to go in there and get a hamburger. What was I talking about before I was interrupted by Ronnie Dunn? My heart is breaking like tiny bubbles. Oh! Pharisees. Hypocrites on the outside. Actors. Jesus is really going after them. He sees them for what they really are and they do not like it. And he's doing this, by the way, in front of the people. He's just attacking them and calling it like it is. Right. This is not what uh, Bill Hybels, Andy Stanley, Rick Warren, Ed Stetzer, and then the like would call winsome, is it? All right. Let's go to the inbox, and we have to go all the way across the country to California, where it's 3.30. No, they're three hours different. It's 2.30 there. You're still working, Terry. Terry from California, another CPA. Stop it, Ronnie Dunn. I don't want to listen to you. Why do you keep coming on? Do I have to turn Bluetooth off? I'm just gonna I'm gonna close this entire Yahoo Yahoo music. No, it's it's Amazon music. Go away, Ronnie Dunn. Go away. I am trying to do the Christian commute. And it keeps getting the song in my head. That's because she's drinking sing no. I'm drinking no. She's acting single. I'm drinking doubles. That's a remake of that song for the uh Country Strong soundtrack starring Gwyneth Paltrow. Ronnie Dunn didn't originally sing it. And it's just Ronnie Dunn. It's not Brooks and Dunn. It's Ronnie Dunn. He's not related to me in case anybody was wondering. Terry's question from California. A CPA who is considerably older than me. And she says, Seth, what do you recommend for an academic commentary set? She says she was thinking about getting John MacArthur's commentary set. But number one, it's expensive. And number two, I mentioned it was not an academic commentary. That's right. So John MacArthur's commentary set 
is basically John MacArthur's exegetical sermons through the New Testament written down in a book edited by Phil Johnson. That's what they are. They don't have... This is driving me crazy. I don't know how to turn this program off. Do I have to turn blue? It's not on Bluetooth. What if I turn that off? I'm helpless. So what they don't have are academic citations. And John MacArthur, I don't think he has an earned academic doctorate. I don't know if... He went to Azusa Pacific University. I think he has a master's from somewhere. I'm not sure if he has a... I don't think he has an earned PhD. He might be an honorary doctor. I don't know. But his commentary set is not an academic commentary set, like researched and footnoted and whatnot. By Professor Dr. So-and-so. Okay. It doesn't mean it's a bad commentary. It just means, like Matthew Henry's commentary, if you're writing a paper for seminary, you can't cite it. It's not an academic resource. If you want to know what the Bible means, go read that. But Terry uh, does not want to get that commentary. She wants to know an academic commentary. Which one would I recommend? So here's the thing, Terry. Like, What are you going to do with it? I don't, you're not writing seminary papers. You're not crafting sermons. So I guess my question is, well, why do you want a commentary series? Is it for teaching Sunday school? Like, you, 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 what, what is it geared toward? And, uh, of course, I would always recommend a conservative commentary from people who would think the Bible is inerrant. I can't stop this song. This is, this is so distracting. I'm going to skip it. What if I skip it? Oh, you know what happened? I know what happened. I had to play the song on my other phone because this one wouldn't play. So I hit play ten times, and it wouldn't play, and now the phone is recognizing that I hit play ten times. So it's going to keep doing this. Sorry. Terry, why do you want a commentary? What are you going to do with it? And, of course, you want an, an, an a, a commentary from a conservative source, like a, a Broadman and Holdman or a New American commentary. Off the top of my head, those are commentaries that I think are more conservative. You know, they're not from Duke University or somewhere like that. And uh, do you need a commentary series? Would, would like a big fat Old Testament or New Testament textbook do? such as the New Testament survey textbook by John Drain that I use for this podcast whenever I'm starting a new book. I'm all right, let me look up the background if I can't remember it. So for what you're doing, for what your purposes are, do you want to... Do you, hold on. Ooh, I got to go to this. There is an America in Prophecy con, uh, conference coming to Calhoun. I bet it's got all kinds of charismatic wing nuts. Sorry. Terry, I, it's the rabbit trail of a, of a show. I keep getting distracted by billboards and Ronnie Dunn. And you know, you're a CPA, Terry. I know you ain't worried about the money. I know you got the money, but maybe you're one of those kind of CPAs who are like, real, I, I'm going to budget it and track everything. If money's no object, just get your commentary set get two. They're expensive. But if you just want sort of a basic overview of each book, get a 
Old Testament survey or New Testament survey book. But if you really want a commentary and you really want to spend the money, I recommend that you email a professor at the Master's Seminary or some other conservative seminary, an Old Testament professor, or not just any willy-nilly professor, an Old Testament professor and a New Testament professor, and ask him. Not me. Here's why. Because I graduated seminary in 2017. I do not actively draft sermons because I do not preach every, every Sunday or any Sunday this year. So I don't sit around reading commentaries. I haven't written a paper in almost six years now. And commentaries are really expensive, so I don't own a commentary set. I have a couple of books on my Amazon Kindle from commentaries that I had from seminary, but I've never bought a commentary set myself. And really, most pastors nowadays are not going to go out and buy a commentary set and sit it on their shelf. They're going to have a Logos package that maybe their church pays for, gold, silver, bronze. So they'll just have Logos, Logos, the software, or Accord, another software, and they'll just have access to all the commentaries through that. Because that's a tool that they'll use for making sermons. It could be that your church library has a commentary series. But I would suggest you ask an expert. Because I don't want to recommend a commentary series that I don't have or haven't read that I can't vouch for. But what I can say generally is... If you're, if you're looking for an evangelical source, the New American Commentary Series is based on the NIV. It was translated by evangelical people. The Broadman and Holdman Commentary is the Southern Baptist arm. That's Broadman and Holding Publishing, a Southern Baptist academic publishing. And that's going to be from an inerrantist perspective and a Baptist perspective. So those would probably be safe. But like, what is the best one? And because you're going to spend 600 to $1,000 on this? Just email a professor. They'll write you back. Their emails are all on the website. Say, hey, I'm just a lay person and I, you know, I want to teach Sunday school or I just want to know the Bible better for myself. Can, can you recommend a commentary series? Because I want something more than a study Bible or an Old Testament survey book. So that's my recommendation of what you do. Thank you, Terry, for writing in. By the way, do you know who has a John MacArthur, complete John MacArthur set of commentary uh, commentaries in the church library? The Demonic Church of Freemasonry, Roland Springs. So if you guys listen to this show, you will all, you're all the time hear me refer to my, refer to my former church, that I was a member of for, I don't know, a couple of years. I don't remember. My former church in Cartersville, I always call it the Demonic Church of Freemasonry, Roland Springs. I won't just call it Roland Springs. I'll say Roland Springs, comma, the Demonic Church of Freemasonry. Because that church has a bunch of Freemasons in it. Long story short, and when I called those Freemasons to repent and insisted that it was a cult and not some kind of Christian liberty thing, I was kicked out. That's why I call it that. But why is it a whitewashed tomb? Well, because everything else was fine. So when my wife and I left Expedition, when we left First Baptist Church of Woodstock, we started going 
to a church plant called Expedition Church in Cartersville. And we left that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I always laugh. It's not. We left that after the preacher started showing Star Wars clips. And he let a Roman Catholic speak. I'm like, nope, not putting up with this anymore. We're going to go back to a, a non-church plant, established church. This is a clown show. Uh, so we went to Roland Springs. And we went there for six months before we joined. We really kicked the tires. I looked at other churches in town. The only thing that I couldn't check the box on with Roland Springs is that it seemed like um, it seemed to be deacon-led. Now, they wouldn't tell you that, but they only had one elder, one pastor, Joe Ringwald. And I think the church bylaw says, we will call a pastor, a pastor. The student, pa- the student minister was just that, minister of student and families. They didn't even call him a pastor. So it was a one-pastor, bunch-of-deacon models church. And you really don't want that. You want a plurality of elders, not a board of deacons who are either the pastor's yes-man or the pastor's their henchman. Because you can get unbalanced there. So that's the only thing that didn't check the box. But... Everything for me checked the box. Verse by verse preaching. Check. Well, you know, Baptist church, check. But when you're getting into a Baptist church, verse by verse preaching, check. Now, it was a Southern Baptist church, which put it doctrinally correct, so check. But they're given to the cooperative program. That's an X, but I would just designate my funds. Everything I gave there, I designated to the building fund or something else. The library. I was like, all right, what can I give? I can stock the library. John MacArthur commentary set, for example. But if, I, if I'm if i given money at a Southern Baptist church, I have to give around the cooperative program so I'll find material things to, to pay for or special funds to give to. And building's always a good one. Everybody's always trying to pay for a building. You know, you're sitting there in the building. So I had that box checked. The music, okay? So it was a mixture of choir and praise band but it wasn't it wasn't a bunch of ladies standing up there in jeans and t-shirts singing Hillsong okay every once in a while they'd sing a Hillsong or a Bethel song and I can't remember a time when I didn't say to the music minister hey this is we shouldn't sing this anymore then they didn't stop singing it they started singing Holy Spirit. And I remember that Brother Joe got up there and said, uh, oh, hold on, let me brand him. The hireling Joe Ringwalt got up there and said, I don't think that song's theologically correct. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Like he's, what? He's always there. But the music, I guess they'd say the blended worship is the textbook term for it. They'd have hymns and they'd have modern songs. But it wasn't Hillsong junk, and it what the lights were turned on. The lights were turned on. I, I think there would be about 600 members there, so it wasn't a mega church. It was small enough to pretty much know everybody. But it wasn't one of these small church plants that's a bunch of people trying to get away from normal church. They could check that. Kids ministry was another check. It was not puppets and bananas and hot dogs. You know, it wasn't a bunch of silliness. It wasn't a bunch of ridiculousness. It wasn't you know, wear your swimsuit to church day in the summer. It wasn't a bunch of dumb stuff like that. It was just 
sitting the kids down in a room. And it wasn't a big church, so for the the kids' worship or children's church that they had, I think it was like, you know, K through 5 is all together. And they're just getting their Bible lesson from people. So they'd have Sunday school, and you could send your kids to kids' church if you wanted to, or like me, I would, I would do sometimes I would keep them with me. I believe if your children are behaved, you should keep them with you. Check the box. So you think of your church experience on a Sunday. It's preaching and singing. So those are the boxes you want checked to be biblical, and you can check those boxes. Sunday school, super check. Check, 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 check. Yes, they used Lifeway in the class that was for my age, but they had a class that was apologetics and, and uh, systematic theology. I ended up teaching that class. I, I went to it for a few months, but then taught it. Check. Um, people who cared about one another. That's a check, too. Like I remember my wife and I hadn't been there for very long. When she started having complications with her pregnancy, I forget which kid, because I have so many. I think it was Ethan. I think. Uh, maybe it was Elkin. I, I don't know. I got so many kids. Um, and, I mean, our Sunday school class, especially uh, the deacon who taught the class and his wife were, like, bringing us groceries, you know, grabbing our laundry to make sure Laura didn't have to be on her feet. I mean, the physical care, and we weren't even members that we experienced from the class, was great. It was, it was a church where if you go there, people would say hi to you every week. Some people would probably call it a country club church because everybody's a cousin and they all know each other, but they're nice. Really nice people. But it's one of those things like here in the South and everybody's nice until they're not because you went against them. The student pastor did not do pizza party evangelism. He was a Calvinist. He just taught the kids doctrine. It wasn't a light and guitar show. It wasn't a bunch of nonsense. So the worship was orderly. Sunday school was good. You, you knew everybody. I mean, the church itself did things in the community like evangelism, but they'd also go out to the flop house with, uh, you know, deodorant and granola bars and hand those out to the people staying at the flop house. Do you guys know what a flop house is? That's probably like a phrase my grandparents would use. Uh, that, that's uh, like these efficiency motels. The, you know, the so-and-so suites that's, uh, you know, $150 a week. A lot of transient people staying there. The one they went to was over by the uh, the Pizza Hut in Cartersville by Walmart. You, you guys, you've seen these in your town. Maybe construction workers are staying there because they're in town for a week. But a lot of it's people who would sort of otherwise be homeless. A lot of drug people in there. Like, not a nice place to stay. It's the type of place where the door... It's a, this is... The door opens to the outside instead of inside of the hotel lobby, that kind of place. So they would do that. They'd stuff backpacks to the Backpack Buddies program. What is this traffic? What is happening? Do I need to get off? Do I need to get off the road? I don't know. This is the heart now. I could get off. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get off the exit. And I'm going to get off here at Cass White. And I'm going to use the exit ramp 
to view to see if I should immediately get back on or go up the side road. That's what I'm going to do. You know what? Do I want to just stay on? I think they just got a lane shut down for traffic. It shouldn't be long. You know what? I'm going to stay the course. I'm not even going to ask the navigation lady. I'm going to stay the course because I don't think it's a wreck. And that cast wide exit will be jammed. Oh, the yeah. Oh, yeah. The exit's already jammed. I'm going to stay the course. I hope this is the right decision. Anyway. You know what? I think this exit was causing the traffic. Now I'm nervous because it opened up like the Red Sea. Anyway. They, they you know, stuffed backpacks for poor kids. So they were doing they were doing evangelism. Church was orderly. The people and I said, "This is my." St-. It reminded me very much from from like a design standpoint of how the building looked and how the old building looked of the church where I grew up, Woodland Park. So that's why we went there. We really kicked the tires a long time before we joined, and then we did. And then I found out, and I should never join because I knew there was one. But then we found out there was eight Freemasons there. And I, this show is not me telling you what all's wrong with Freemasonry. I've done that a million times. If you don't agree with me, you're wrong. You can read my book. I'm not going to talk about why Freemasonry is wrong. If you listen to this show, you just accept it. So when I was convicted that I couldn't just ignore that my local church of which I am a covenant member is full of Freemasons who are idolaters who are a part of a demonic cult when I could not ignore that because I have a responsibility as a church member Matthew 18 is not the option to approach someone in sin 1 Corinthians 5 is not an option like you can do this if you want to it is an obligation to call your brother to repentance. And that's what I did. And that set in motion nobody liking me anymore. So when I joined, I'll never, I was sort of embarrassed. I, when I joined, and uh, they, this is one of those churches where you have to walk up the aisle at the invitation time and say you want to join, and then they vote you in right then and there, even though nobody but the preacher has talked to you about it. The pastor is like, these are the caliber of people we want joining the church. And he knew I was in seminary. He knew I was studied. He'd heard the reports of my Sunday school teacher. Listen, you could talk to my Sunday school teacher now at First Baptist. He'd say, Seth knows the Bible. I would, I would just be sitting there and say, I'm sitting in the back row in Sunday school every week with my kids. You know, I'm eating a donut because we have breakfast in my Sunday school. So I'm just sitting there eating my, uh, eating my sausage ball. And he'll be like, well, I better say this right, or Seth will correct me. We were talking we were talking about chiasms in Psalms the other day. He's like, it's a chiasm, I better mention that. Like, I didn't know off the top of my head that this was a chiasm. I mean, I know there's chiasms in Psalms. I, I don't know which all ones are chiasms. He'll be like, well, I better get the Hebrew. Don't ask me about Hebrew. I don't know what it means. I made a D in Hebrew. I barely passed. I forgot it. I don't know the alphabet passed a gimel aleph bait dalit gimel that's all i remember i mean but he'll be like well you know 
He's just joking around, but he knows I know my stuff. Except for all the stuff I just told you I didn't know. Um, so the Sunday school teacher had been telling Joe, like, he knows his stuff so much so that that guy moved to Texas, and they gave me the class. And I would, you know, boom. I was teaching that class well. I was firing on all cylinders. I'm going to tell you this. Guys, I was not upset about what was going on in church. With all the music and all the kids' ministry garbage that's out there, it's really easy to be upset about what's going on in church. But for the most part, man, I wasn't upset. I was, I'd kicked the tires. I was in a good place to be. The outside of the tomb was well manicured. But inside, when something biblical had to be done, the little hireling pastor Joe was not going to do anything about it. He'd been there for 25 years. And that is a long tenure for a Baptist pastor with a board of deacons. But when it came down to it, he wasn't going to rock the boat. If you're rocking the boat, Joe's the guy who's going to try and calm you down and say, stop rocking the boat. Just be cool and smooth it over. Let's sweep it under the rug. I'm not the kind of person, you guys know me from listening to the show, I'm not the kind of person who can sweep something under the rug. I'm getting, I'm sort of getting better at it as I get older and I mellow out and I realize a lot of it's autism. But if it's doctrine, I can't do it. Now, I can go about it a little more calmly than I used to, but I cannot let sin or bad doctrine stand. Just can't do it. Can't. It is not within my ability. So he wanted to sweep it under the rug, couldn't do it. He can't keep the peace between me and the people who want me gone. And eventually, you know what, I went from being a very favored person there. Somebody's like, wow, this is guy's teaching Sunday school, he's doing a great job. You know, we want it. Listen, church, churches want young families like me. They want a family with kids and income who are going to be there every Sunday. If you put me on paper and put my church attendance on paper and you put my educational background on paper and how many kids like I want this guy at my church on paper I'm a great church member but in real life I insist on doing things the biblical way and you think oh a great church member no now by the way here's what I'm not doing I'm not going to Stephen Furtick narcissist myself into the story where I am Jesus being persecuted by the Pharisees who are whitewashed tombs because I'm so righteous. I'm not Jesus. They're not the Pharisees. I'm just giving you an example of things can look great on the outside and you can kick all the tires. I talk about people on this show like J.D. Greer and Andy Stanley. There's something obviously wrong with them. But there's a lot of churches like Roland Springs. There's nothing obviously wrong. Everything looks fine. Not too big, not too small. It's like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It's the porridge that is just right. It's the bed that's just right. But the people, not all of them, but the people who were essentially running that church and funding that church turned on me in an instant. 
when I wouldn't let Freemasonry go. And that little pastor guy was nervous when he found out I was an internet personality and that I made waves on my blog and that you know, I'm the guy who's going to go into the prison and beat up the toughest dude there. I don't care if you're Johnny Hunt. I'll blog you into oblivion, Johnny Hunt. David Barton, whoever. I'm not a guy who just kind of toes the line. Everything can look fine on the outside. Like the Pharisees did back then. But when you go in and try to address a problem, challenge a sinful status quo, you'll find out that things that look great on the outside can be a whitewashed tomb on the inside. And I remember meeting with a pastor, and he's like, this is not a hill to die on. And I'm like, no, this is this is sin. And I'm like, you know, people don't like it, but Jesus said they didn't like when the prophets came and told them they were doing wrong. And I remember him asking, well, are you a prophet? He wanted me to say yes, so he could say, this guy's crazy. He thinks he's a prophet. Because once you say that I'm a prophet, it means I can't be wrong because I'm a prophet. I've got a prophecy. I'm, I'm not foretelling, but I'm foretelling. And I'm like, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying... That stiff-necked, wicked people reject righteousness. If you're in a church like that, don't sit there and stew in it because, like, everything looks good. Guys, the Jews thought the Pharisees looked great until Jesus came and showed them that they weren't. A whitewashed tomb is worse than an open grave. Because when you look at an open grave, you thought, oh no, there's a gross, dirty, unclean open grave. I'm not going to get anywhere near it. When you see a dirty dish, like I'm not going to drink out of that dish, that's dirty. I'm not, I don't care how good the Tunisian coffee is, I'm not drinking out of that. That's gross, they didn't wash it. The problem is, is when you reach into your dishwasher... And the outside of that dish is really clean and you're really thirsty. You get it out. You're about to, you're about to pour your, your Samsung refrigerator water in it. My ref- I got a new Samsung refrigerator. Is it a Samsung? Yeah. And it's got a pitcher in it that you put in and it fills it. And your water is always cold. It's filtered water. It's cold filtered water. They didn't have that when the Pharisees were straining out gnats. You get out your cold water, your, your perfectly pure cold water, and you're pouring into the dish. No! It's dirty on the inside. Your kids didn't soak it. I don't want to drink out of that. It looked clean on the outside. I got it hot steaming out of my dishwasher. Oh, this church has a perfectly manicured graveyard. They just paid off the new building. The carpet's the right color. There's not too many lights on the ceiling, but we got lights. There's not too many women in jeans and a t-shirt. On the praise band and the feminine bin, but we do have a praise band. <laughs> they just—they're just dressed right. We got the right Sunday school. The kids aren't—they're not having pajama day in the Lord's house. Everything looks fine. Just don't scratch too deep. 
Just don't tell brother so-and-so who's got five friends here that he's in sin. Just don't hold one another accountable. Keep up the appearance. No, no. That's how you end up with the demonic church of Freemasonry, Roland Springs. Everything looks great on the outside, but you dig deep enough and it's bad. And it doesn't have to be Freemasonry. It can be anything. If the culture, the culture of the church is people community together at all costs first, no, we're not seeker sensitive. No, you're not. Your country club sensitive. Your hey, that's somebody's cousin sensitive. Your conflict sensitive. You know the Bible says if it, if it's possible, be at peace with all men, in as much as it is up to who you, in as much as it's up to you, be at peace with everybody. Thessalonians says, mind your business, work with your hands. That's a Seth Dunn paraphrase. But when you get into church, you who are spiritual, restore the people who are sinning. That's what it says. It's not an option. You can't not do that. And you know, Some people don't want to be restored. They want to have their little fellowship hall with a coffee machine over there. And this is where they get together for all their birthday parties. And this is where they get together for all their baby showers. And this is our little group. And God forbid we have any kind of conflict in the little group. You know, we're supposed to have the Holy Spirit as Christians. We're supposed to be able to get through a conflict. Sola Scriptura, using the Bible as our God. Knowing that Jesus is our King and God is our Father. But some people don't want to do that. Because it's a whitewashed tomb. So don't get me wrong. This is about the demonic church of Freemasonry Rolling Springs. But this show title, it ain't just about that one. There's a church like that in your town too. I can sit here, I'm on, I'm on Old Mill Road, so now I'm on the same road as Cross Point. I can point and say, Cross Point, seeker sensitive, they're singing Reckless Love over there. They got four striped Adidas, Mark Driscoll. Keep your kids away, stop going. I'm point, point, point. I can see that one's bad, that one's bad. Don't go there. They're the anti-traditional church. They get all the people who know they're supposed to be in church but don't like how church is, so they change it different. No, man, I was at Rolling Springs. That's how church was supposed to be when I was a kid. Comfortable. Except for this one thing. Kind of like I guess, how people must have been in the Old South. But like, man, we're, we're here. This is God's country, and you know we're going to church. I don't know if you'd be treating your slaves that way. That seems wrong. Seems like a lot of people in town are treating their slaves where they're beating them and they're not allowed to read the Bible. It seems, I don't think we're supposed to be doing this. Better not say anything to upset the way things are, the status quo, the way of life. Come from a polite society down here. My therapist says I should move to the north. No way. European people get along well with me because they just say what they think. Things can be not so polite in your Southern Baptist church when it's a whitewashed tomb. So be careful of the demonic church and Freemasonry and all the other ones just like it. Thanks for listening to the Christian Commute. Lord willing, I'll be back with you again Thursday and Friday. 
As always, God bless. And as always, remember, Christianity is not about getting saved. It's about being saved. Thanks for listening to The Christian Commute. Please send your questions about Christian apologetics and theology to sethdunn88 at gmail.com. If you are not a Christian, please remember that you can be reconciled to God through the shed blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Repent of your sins now and accept Jesus as Lord. God bless.